Welcome to Church of the Palm. So glad to see you this morning. Something's happening with this section. It's very empty. <laughs> the, the kids are gone, right? Um, so glad to have you this morning. Just I have a few announcements for you. The first one makes me really excited. Sarasota Voices is a children's choir I've started 14, almost 15 years ago. And some of these girls have graduated and they're now in college doing a music degree. And uh, some of the girls are going to be presenting a little show in here on August 6th at 7 p.m. And it's songs from the 50s and above. So there should be something for everyone. So we hope you get to come. It's a free concert, but uh, they'll take donations at the door. There are tickets in the main office if you'd like to reserve your spot. So we hope you come for that. You may have seen these little forms here. These are the nominating forms. They're on the tables as you come in. And that's an important part of the church. The church nominating committee is requesting nominations from the congregation for our deacons, for our elders, and for shepherding deacons. So if you know someone that would help us with the church leadership, please fill out one of these forms. You might want to check with them first, but um, we'd love to have these filled out. You can bring them back to the office, fill them online, or actually drop them in the lobby here. Another great announcement, there are still table tennis scholarships available for the young people under 21 to uh, come and play table tennis. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 7 p.m. You don't have to sign up. You, they just come in and it's free for those who are young, under 21, no offense to anybody else. And <laughs> you know that almost 40 people have made their way on Friday from, from here to Montreal, they stopped in Savannah, they did some service projects there, and um, they've done a wonderful job already, and they are going to spend the week in Montreal. So all our young people are there this morning. And um, on August 8th, we will have the Back to School Blessing, and it's one of our favorite Sundays. We love to hear the students tell their stories and share them in service with us. So uh, we look forward to hearing them in the service then. Um, also, so you know, next Saturday is uh, the, memorial, the, the celebration of life of Will Hedgepeth. And so on Saturday, 2 to 4, in the, in the Palm Center. So you're all welcome to come and, and greet uh, the parents. Um, so I would like to invite now the two heroes of the day, Marlene Petro and Marcia Barson, who have done a wonderful job with Day of Hope yesterday. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Marcia Barson. And I'm Marlene Petro, and I just keep praying that he doesn't fall down when he uses those states. Uh, Marcia and I partnered again this year to oversee the 10th annual Day of Hope here at Church of the Palms. And what a privilege that is. Today, we've come to thank you all for allowing us to be a part of that. You all have such a big heart for helping others. And that's why we can do Day of Hope at Church of the Palms. Yesterday, we welcomed some hundred families and 250 needy children to our campus for a drive-through event. Drive-through may not be 
everything we want it to be, but at least the children walked away with gift cards to Bells and Detweilers, school supplies in new backpacks, personal care products, bags of food from all faiths, and bags of fruit from Detweilers. We as a congregation have helped these children prepare for a new school year. On Wednesday, I spoke to a parent who couldn't have been more appreciative of this event in our church. She has a disability, and this help for her daughter was most welcome. And yesterday, there were tears, tears of gratitude at registration, at our blessing station, and all along the way as parents receive these wonderful gifts from our congregation. This event that serves so many was made possible thanks to the contributions of time, talent, and treasure from this congregation. Your generosity is just overwhelming and so appreciated. These children from Wilkinson, Southside, and Philippi Shores, along with, the middle, along with many middle and high school students, will start school well-equipped thanks to you. But the really extra good news is that your contributions don't end with yesterday's event. Because of your generosity, we're going to be able to respond to requests from these schools during the year to help growing kids which, with such things as new shoes and socks, new clothes, food, and other supplies. So this is all thanks to you, our wonderful and generous congregation. Thank you for loving God and loving neighbor. It is indeed a blessing to be part of this wonderful congregation at Church of the Palms. Along with the financial support that you so generously give, we are also very grateful for your tremendous spirit of volunteerism and the real work that you do. Our 10th Annual Day of Hope was another successful event because of the help of more than 90 volunteers and certainly with the prayers of many more. Thank you to everyone who came yesterday to enjoy the time in fellowship together while working together on the parking lot safety and control traffic, te traffic control team that was led by John Sago the registration and gift card team led by Gina Sakura, the greeters and hospitality team led by Kathy Robinette and Linda Halderman, our photographers Kathy Lloyd, Faye Mercer, and Jerry Haley, our volunteers who loaded cars with backpacks and personal care bags led by Shelley Maddox, along with the Boy Scouts, Troop 895, who loaded bags of food into the cars. This year, we are very excited to have added two stops on the drive through route. A stop for the children and families to receive a prayer and a blessing from Pastor Bruce Hedgepeth and Stephen Ministers Sandy Snyder and John Kennedy. And each child was given a new kid's Bible. We also added an optional photo stop for the children or family to have their picture taken by Kathy Lloyd. 
there were many more helping hands working behind the scenes in preparation for our Day of Hope. Special thanks to everyone who came to help pack the backpacks with school supplies and the personal care bags last week, to our choir members and others for packing the All Faiths food bags and the fresh produce from Detweiler's. We are very thankful always for our amazing pastors and our wonderful church staff, and for the extra help from Pam Gillespie, Kathy Robinette, James Thompson, Rick Dolenga, Mike McCullough, Matt Liddell, and the entire office and custodial staff. If you were among those who could not participate this year, please keep Day of Hope on your hearts and plan to volunteer to help next year. We are looking forward to offering full services again with medical and dental, haircuts and so forth. And we will need many, many more volunteers to help. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marsha and Marlene, so much wonderful work. And now as the band comes back, we are going to take a moment to greet each other in the name of Christ. All right, let's join together and sing. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me It's amazing Who am I that you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing That I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? 
Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing that I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. I'm a friend of God I'm a friend of God I'm a friend of God He calls me friend Into the darkness you shine 
out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you I've got a greater I've got a stronger God you are higher than any other I've got a healer Awesome in power Our God Our God And our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God Our God Voice. How great 
is our God. Say with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. so good to have you all here this day. We want to remind you that we have uh, four ways to give here at Church of the Palms, and uh, we are doing a lot of that electronically, and those uh, op opportunities are available right there on the screen, and also you can find the baskets on the way out the door if you've brought an offering that you'd like to bring before the good Lord today. My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm Lori Haas's assistant and I am always glad to be here. And I think we got some mic runners that are scrambling to come from the back. Uh, we are 32, you probably heard this before, 32 of our high school students are uh, in Savannah, Georgia, on their way to Montreat, North Carolina, where they're going to be experiencing a wonderful week of spiritual renewal. And uh, normally that 
cluster of chairs over there would be filled with high school students, but they are uh, up in Savannah and on their way up to Montreat. So keep them in your prayers. Uh, that would be one prayer concern that we have. So we have some um, more mature mic runners today. Uh, so mature number one. What's your name? Bill Mallet. Bill Mallet. And what year are you in school? 64th. Okay. Gotcha. Yes, sir. Kevin Smith. All right. And? Uh, my 10-year reunion is this October from college. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Give them a round of applause, would you please? Yes. So this is a time when we take uh, prayer concerns, any uh, joys that you might have or any concerns that you'd like us to be aware of. We would love to hear from you so that we can be offering those up to the good Lord, even as you share them. So are there any concerns that you'd like to? Way back there. I'd like us to pray for those who are grieving for lost ones in this past year. Mm -hmm. I know that six of our choir members lost their husbands, yes. me being one. Yes. And also, I'd like to pray for everybody on the prayer list and those who should be on the prayer list in art. Okay. Thank you. And certainly if there are those that you know that we should have on our prayer list, just let us know and we will make sure to uh, include them as well. Are there other joys or concerns that you have? Right over there. found out two people I know have cancer this week. Uh, Marty has pancreatic cancer and Melody has lung cancer. Huh. And my stepdaughter, April, has COVID. Oh, so dear. Wow. Them. Mm, okay. Yeah. Boy, it can be overwhelming sometimes, the amount of concern that and burden people are bearing. Yes, right over there, Sally. I would like to talk about the joy I've just had with 13 children in Sunday school this morning. And we made s'mores and ices, and of course we talked about Jesus as the bread of life, and it was wonderful. Oh, Amen. Great. Nice. Amen. Yeah. Back here. I would like to ask for the prayers that um, hackers and scammers stop trying to steal my inheritances and leave them alone. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay, let's go to God in our prayers. Let's pray. Lord, we, as a part of you, all of your creation, lift our prayers to you for you are a worthy God and that you are the one who loves us enough to bend low to hear the whispers of your children. We pray, O oh God, that as we come to you and as we uh, journey with you throughout the days of our lives, that we would be always aware of your presence and that you are the one who helps us to make our way through the seasons of life, whether it be health or illness, whether it be grief or joy. And we ask, O oh God, that uh, we might always be not only aware of your presence, but that we may be a channel of your Holy Spirit seeking to convey your presence to the world around us. We thank you for the gift of the church. We pray for our high school kids on their way up to Montreat, keep them well and safe, and we pray that you will fill them with your spirit such that they would know of your great love for them, which is unconditional and will be with them all their days. 
So Lord, we pray all these things and ask, O oh God, that we may always know that we are not only recipients of your answers, but we are a part of your answer for the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we are continuing in this series on uh, the stained glass windows that we find in our chapel. Many of you have taken the time to go over to see the stained glass windows in our chapel. And uh, we are back to looking at the next one in the series. And this one is the resurrection window. You see it up on your screen. And it features the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. And uh, you'll see on the screen at the top of the window is the chrysalis, which is the symbol of resurrection. And below you will find Jesus with his outstretched arm calling forth Lazarus from the tomb. To your right you see the yet unbound resurrected Lazarus appearing at the entrance or exit of the tomb, depending how you look at it. And you'll see at Lazarus' feet one of his sisters, Mary, beholding the moment that's going on right before her. So we're going to be uh, looking at a part of that story that's found in John chapter 11, beginning at the 17th verse. So let's listen for the word of God. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher's here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up and quickly go out, and they followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. But when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet 
bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. A few years ago I was on an airplane and at one point the pilot came on to the intercom and said that in a few minutes we were going to be experiencing some moderate turbulence. That's always an interesting phrase, moderate turbulence. It can mean a lot of things, and usually when the pilot tells you that there's some moderate turbulence ahead, you sort of know that what you're about to experience is not going to be so moderate. And sure enough, that was the case. Ten minutes after the announcement and after the flight attendants had strapped us into our seats, suddenly came the moderate, the moderate turbulence, and it felt a little bit like Space Mountain up and down, rise and fall, and it's then that you begin to dwell on the fact that there really is nothing holding this plane in the air. You're riding on thin air. There are no suspensions above, there are no stanchions below, and on top of it you are being propelled by hundreds and hundreds of gallons of flammable fuel. These are sometimes the thoughts that pass through the mind when you are a second or two falling through one of those air pockets. It was during one, during this episode, when I looked across the aisle and I could see a young couple with a young baby, maybe six weeks old, and the young baby was in his mother's arms, wrapped in a blanket and nursing. And from what I could tell, this nursing baby was not paying any attention to the moderate turbulence. He was somewhat oblivious to the space mountain ride. Wrapped in his blanket and secure at his mother's breast, he was unaffected by the precarious physics of flight. Largely because, of course, he was unaware, he was uninformed, uneducated. But soon would come the day when that young boy would have unwrapped from him his blanket and taken from his mother's breast, and he would become informed and aware and educated to the precariousness of life. And he would become an adult and begin to worry about and grow anxious over air pockets and plummeting planes. And the world would have its way of replacing his blanket of infant security with, let's call it, the bindings of fear because that's what life does, right? That's what the world does. It reminds us of all those things we should be worried about and all those things and what they might do to us. And with every reminder comes this new and different binding, not the binding of security, but the binding of insecurity, not the bands of life, but the bands of death, not unlike the ones that Lazarus had when he was buried. That's what they did back in the first century. They, they, they took those who had died and they wrapped them with cloth strips. They bound them. When you're born, you're bound with a blanket. In Jesus' case, he was bound with swaddling cloths, right? Mary bound him with swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And when you die, you get bound with swaddling cloths again. But these are the bands of death. And the truth is, that can happen a long time before you die. Life has its way of binding us early with burial bands. It's sort of what happens in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve thought it was a good idea to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes were opened, Scripture says, and they became aware, and they saw the world and its dangers, and the first thing they thought to do was what? 
they bound themselves with fig leaves and with later maybe linens and leather. And the first words out of Adam's mouth, as soon as he became aware, he said to the Lord walking through the garden, we are afraid. So the journey of human beings like you and me and like that baby on that plane is this journey of discovery and knowledge and awareness. And with our discovery and knowledge and awareness comes our capacity to be afraid, to fear. And with our fear comes these bands that bind us. We bind ourselves with what we know. And we know that life is a little bit like riding on thin air, skating on thin ice. And we just can't be sure what that moderate turbulence is going to bring because we are no longer bound with the swaddling cause of birth. We are wrapping ourselves each day with bands of our worry, the shroud of our own death. You know what I'm talking about, all those things that we do to prepare for the worst, the insurance we buy, the gates and walls we put around our neighborhoods, the security systems we wire into our homes, the bank accounts ready for a rainy day, the extra drink that we drink at night to calm our nerves, the helicopter flights hovering over our children, the withdrawal from people who don't look like us, the doctor's appointments to delay the inevitable, you name it, all the search for the new security, but with it comes this binding of worry and fear. So enter Jesus. Enter Jesus into the family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Early in the story, the two sisters had sent word to Jesus that their brother was ill and near death. Come quick, they said. Do something, they said. Give us the magic pill, they said. But Jesus doesn't come, and at least not quick enough. And Lazarus dies. And they wrap him in swaddling claws, and they laid him in a tomb. And Jesus comes and they say to Jesus, too late, Jesus. If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died, Jesus. And then Jesus says something they can't quite figure out. Jesus says, but I am the resurrection and the life. And they say, well, yeah, what, what good is that now? Where were you last week? So Jesus knows what he has to do. He has to show them what he means. He has to go to the tomb. He has to raise a dead man to life. Resurrection and life will mean nothing to them until they can see it, until they can feel it, until they can touch it. So Jesus goes to the tomb, weeps like we would weep in the face of death. And then Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And Lazarus appears, but all bound up. He's alive, but he's bound. He still has the bands of death. He's on his way to a resurrection, but he's not yet there. Now allow me to freeze the frame right there, just like the window. Lazarus is raised, but Lazarus is still bound. Lazarus is alive. Lazarus still, though, has the bands of death. Freeze the frame right there because I want to wonder with you about Easter in July. I want to wonder with you about what Easter looks like in July. Without the lilies, without the hydrangeas, I want to wonder with you, what does the resurrection of Jesus look like in July, in August, in September? 
Because I think that back in the spring, we celebrate Easter as the thing that we can count on at the end of life. I, I think in spring, we rejoice that the resurrection is something we get to cash in on at the end of our days. Easter is the big life insurance plan, payable upon death. We show up at church, pay our premium, and then plan for the payout. And while all that may be true, it really is only the second half of the story. And we may be missing, perhaps, the more important half, because the more important half of the story is that the resurrection isn't just a past event seeking to secure for us a future event. Resurrection for the very moment when Jesus walked from his own tomb, shed his own bands of death. Resurrection from that very moment was a present event. Resurrection is a present event. Resurrection is happening now. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Not, I was the resurrection and the life. Not, I will be the resurrection and the life. But I am the resurrection and the life. Which means that you and I are being raised today. We are on our way to a resurrection today. We may live like we're walking into the tomb. We may be binding ourselves with the claws of death. We may be afraid of all that moderate turbulence in the future. But the truth is, we are right now in the process of being raised. We may be preparing for one inevitable, but it's the wrong inevitable. The only inevitable we have to think about is the inevitability of resurrection. We are being raised right now. We may not think so, we may not believe so, but we are so. We have passed, writes the apostle, we have, pa we have passed from death into life. No, not we will pass from death into life. But we already have passed from death to life. We are heading out of the tomb, not into it. Jesus stands there and says, it's time now to be unbound. Unbind him and let him go, Jesus says to those gathered friends at the grave. Lazarus is living right now, he says, in the resurrection. It's just that right now he's wrapped with the old cloth of death. And isn't that one of the most relevant commands of Christ for us? Unbind them. Let them go. Right at the very start, Jesus said that his ministry was all about proclaiming release to the captives, unlocking the jails, unbinding the bands. So Easter in July is hearing again the good news that we are on our way out of the tomb and that the great Spiritual journey is embracing the resurrection now, living the resurrection now, passing from death to life now, facing our fears now. Reminds me of the church that had invited a musical group to sing at their church one Sunday, and the musical group was called Resurrection. And Resurrection was going to sing at the Sunday services, but Resurrection's plane had some mechanical issues that canceled their flight. So Saturday night, the pastor put on the church sign, Resurrection postponed. And I wonder if that isn't a little bit of what you and I end up doing, postponing our resurrection. It's so tempting to do that, get bound up with our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our obsession with how bad things are going to be. And we postpone the resurrection. Putting it off until we have no breath. Reminds me of my old friend, I'll call him Tom. And Tom did not have a drinking problem. At least that's what he kept telling me. Oh, I drink, but I don't have a drinking problem. 
And every night he'd throw down a few more and he would wrap himself with a few more burial bands. But he didn't have a drinking problem. It's what he told his wife when she walked out the door with her suitcase. I don't have a drinking problem. About the fourth week of residing alone in the hollow tomb of his house, not having a drinking problem, he didn't like the loneliness and the despair and the constriction of the burial bands. It was his golfing buddy who invited him to an AA meeting where finally he felt safe enough and strong enough to say, I have a drinking problem. And the gathered folks said, unbind him and let him go. Resurrection no longer postponed, for we are passing from life, from death to life. Not unlike the woman who had joined me and others years ago on a mission trip to another part of the world, she had managed over the years of her life to insulate herself with the large amounts of money that her husband had made. She found her way to all the exclusive clubs and circles in town. She had a nice house and a gate to protect her. She had all the things money could buy, but what she didn't realize was that more and more the money was burying her. It was not filling that empty spot inside of her. It was not lifting her from her low-grade depression. God knows what prompted her to sign up for this mission trip, but it was a huge leap to watch her board that airplane. And for the first couple of days in that foreign, struggling land, she chose for the most part to hide herself in her room to avoid having to touch and see the real pain, the real misfortune, the real poverty of that land. But slowly, and after a couple of days, she began to walk out of her little tomb. And she began to feel something she had never felt before. She began to feel compassion and empathy and love. She began to feel the burial bounds beginning to loosen. It stunned me when she stood up at the end of our week and told the group, that she was feeling alive for the first time. And the gathered folks said, unbind her and let her go. Resurrection no longer postponed, for we have passed from death into life. Glenn Fry of the Eagles, that preeminent theologian, sang it in one of his songs. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. Easter in July. And here's the thing. Jesus stands at our graves and calls us out. He calls us out today. Not tomorrow, not at the end of our lives. He calls us out today. Because where he chooses to reside is in us. The resurrected Jesus resides in us. The resurrected Jesus appears in the world through us. And we do him little good bound and buried. Fear, wrote Kathleen Norris, 
Fear is not a bad place to start a spiritual journey. If you know what makes you afraid, then you can see clearly the way out. Fear is the door out of our tomb. Unbind him and let him go. Unbind her and let her go. For we have passed from death into life. Resurrection. No longer postponed. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we pray that you will help us to face into our fears all those worries, all those things that we wonder might go wrong. Stand at our self-imposed tombs and call us out. Call us back to the resurrected life. Unbind us and let us go. That we may be your liberated children. And that we may be a sign of new life for all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty 
refuse to come With all creation I sing Praise to the King of Kings You are my everything And I will adore you of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.